Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. Super, super excited to have my dear friend we just met within the last year or so, Stacey St. John with us tonight. She is a woman's champion in this SCR space. Just really wanted to celebrate with you guys Women's History Month, right? And so for me, the biggest goal this month is access. I want to make sure that you have access to all of the resources that are available to you. And so I thought, you know what? King would best relay that information, who has one of the best networks in terms of access and, you know, who popped up in my mind? It is the Stacey St. John. So I'm super excited to have you owner, founder, manager of this 25,000, I'm going to round up, 25,000 member Facebook group, the largest Facebook group in the world for women in short-term rental investing. So Stacey, Take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my gosh, Rachel. First of all, I just want to thank you for having me. It is such a delight for me to be here in your group and to spend time with you. So thank you, first of all. Second of all, if you hear a barking dog in the background, I'd have to apologize. <laughs> I have the loudest three-pound chihuahua on the planet. So you might hear Chi-Chi throughout our conversation. Hopefully you don't. But yeah, so my name is Stacey St. John. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Got started in real estate investing several years back. Focused initially on long-term rentals. I got my real estate license to support our investing. Was doing some flips. And lo and behold, COVID hit. And we decided, you know what? With all these eviction moratoriums popping up, it may not be good for us right now to invest in another long-term rental. And so we had dabbled with the idea of getting into the short-term rental space for quite some time. And we really felt like that was a good next step for us in our real estate investing journey. And so I spent about six months really just doing research and learning about short-term rentals learning about the markets that I was interested in and really honing in on what market we ultimately selected, but spent a good amount of time just doing some due diligence and then bought my first property just in the summer of 2020. So not that long ago. And the rest is history. Like it, I'm sure you can attest to this, Rachel. It is the most rewarding 
space to be in. I absolutely love investing in property at the beach. So all of my properties are in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So I love the fact that I get to take tax-free trips to the beach to check on my properties. That's not a bad thing. But then I just by chance happened to start a Facebook group for women in the short-term rental space. And boy, oh boy, has that, it has turned my life upside down. Like it is really one of the most amazing experiences of my life to meet women from all around the world who are in our wonderful industry. And you happen to be one of them. So I'm, again, I'm super excited to be with you. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you too as well, Stacy. And so I absolutely love, love, love how you stumbled upon <laughs> creating your Facebook group. And what an amazing community of women supporting one another. Stacey, let me ask you this. Now, we as women are typically known to be pretty serious multitaskers, right? You got the family, you got the W-2. Tell us a little bit about that aspect of your life. Do you work? Do you have family? I know the answer, but let the people get to know you a little bit more. <laughs> ah, sure. I have been married to my husband since 1994. I was just, I just turned 20. Now you're all going to know how old I am. Okay. So I just turned 20 when I got married and little did I know that we would ever be investing in real estate together, but we have two grown boys. I have an oldest, my oldest is going to be 23 on Thursday. And then my youngest is 18. Again, I've got a loud chihuahua. I actually have worked in the corporate world in the marketing space my entire career. But I'm just leaving the corporate world, which I'm so super, sounds bad. I'm so grateful for my W-2 and for the opportunities that have come before me by leveraging my income from my W-2 job to be able to buy properties. Yeah. And now I'm really excited to take the next step in my own journey and leave my W-2, do short-term rentals full-time. And I feel like I already do it full-time. Because I'm pretty much a morning person. If you know me or you ever get emails from me, you'll usually start getting emails about 4 a.m. Because <laughs> I get up super early. But I work on my short-term rental business out, outside of a regular workday. Again, it has afforded me a lot of good fortune to have that the stability of the W-2 for now. And then again, that will be sunsetting in just a few short months. So I until the end of June. And then I will be leaving my W-2. Whoa. Congratulations to you. That is super, super exciting. I just love those stories where the short-term rentals gives you the opportunity to choose. And I know some of you in this group, you're busy professionals. You love what you do, but some of you are thinking, you know what? I can cut back a little bit. Let me get some breathing room in here. And that's what I have found personally as well, that short-term rentals has afforded me the opportunity and the ability to do that. So really grateful for that as well. Stacey, what about for those who are exploring short-term rentals? We have a, a lot of new folks that joined even this week for the first time. And they're like, where do I start? Can I afford it? Homes are it's such a competitive market. How do I win a deal? Any words for those individuals as far as a starting point? How does someone get started? A couple of different things come to mind. The first thing that I always share with people is it's really important before you execute that you build a strategy. 
to fold short-term rentals into a life that you want to live. So the last thing you want to do is spend your time and your energy and your money investing in real estate or investing in short-term rentals only to discover that you're sacrificing your friends, you're sacrificing your family, you're sacrificing your free time. So I always share with people before you do anything, sit down and map out what you want your life to look like in five years, okay? And then what do we want it to look like in three years? And in order to get there, what do I need to accomplish in the next 12 months in order to hit that three-year goal? So really reverse engineering your future and your future success, I think is a key step to, I would say it applies across anything, but it works obviously really well in the short-term rental space. Secondly, I also think it's really important to get clear on what you want out of your short-term rental investing. I hear a lot of people say, gosh, what market should I be investing in? What type of house should I be focusing on? Should I get oceanfront or should I get lakefront? Or should I be in the mountains? Or should I be in a small town? And the truth is it really depends on what you want. The beauty is that short-term rentals are a profitable, viable business model in most any market, but it's really too important, in my opinion, to align, again, your strategic goals and your own buying criteria, what you want out of this, and then pursue finding the markets and the property types that ladder up with those sets of criteria, shall we say. And then from there, it's really, once you've got that strategic plan outlined on paper, it's really understanding, okay, what operational model do I want to choose? Am I going to own? Am I going to co-host? Am I going to do rental arbitrage? Outlining what operational model you're going to want to have in place and also what property management model you want to have in place. I could own, but I could still have a third-party property manager managing my properties. I could actually do rental arbitrage, but still have a third-party property manager managing my properties. So again, outlining again, what you envision for this business of yours. And then from there, really outlining again, specific criteria for your markets and your property types that you're interested in. I hope I'm not talking too much, Rachel, but that's kind of really bird's good. eye view. No, it's oh, I so good. I absolutely love it because I love the way you looked at beginning with kind of the end in mind. What do you want your life to look like? And then building your business around, around that whole premise. So that's so good. I hope you're taking notes. Come back to me if you're multitasking, because that is so important because eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have this business. Did you just leave your nine to five to work 24 hours a day? We don't want that. Who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? Yeah. So fantastic strategy. I absolutely love it. So that's a great exercise. I encourage everyone to take a step back, take a beat and take a look at it from that perspective. And so what I will tell you in our mentorship, as well as our group, we have a varying variety of budgets. 
So we have a lot. I'm in healthcare, so I do have the healthcare professionals who have a little bit more of that capital to utilize to spend. But we have others who are workers, others who have small businesses who may not have the biggest budget to spend to get started. So the range I've seen within our group is anywhere from 220K to 5 million. No joke. So it's a big budget. So I know when we were starting, we had a specific budget and we were looking around at markets that would fit into that budget. And I know you just mentioned that as well. So Stacey, I know you're in Cincinnati, Ohio, but you decided to invest in Myrtle Beach. And I would love us to unpack that market a little bit because it's not a market that I'm familiar with in terms of all of the ins and outs of short-term rentals. So would love your insight and feedback. I think that'll be really valuable for those who are joining us today. Sure, sure, absolutely. So when I was looking, or I should say my husband and I were looking to purchase a short-term rental, we had this pipe dream that we wanted to be on the ocean, okay? <laughs> again, I'm a huge beach girl, love going to the beach. And I, and again, amidst COVID, I wasn't sure when I was going to get back to Cancun. So I thought, hey, we need to buy a property on the beach. But we had a specific budget that we wanted to stay within knowing that we were pivoting our strategy and entering the short-term rental space for the first time. So we had a vision that we wanted to be oceanfront within a day's drive for us. And we wanted to spend $100,000 for luck. Okay. So long story short, I searched high and low. And let me tell you, those, those criteria are not easy to come by. We had landed on two different markets that were especially interesting to us. One was Destin, Florida. The other was Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Now, I grew up going on vacation near Myrtle Beach, anywhere from Litchfield Beach, which is down south of Myrtle Beach, to Ocean Isle, North Carolina, which is just across the North Carolina border. So I was very familiar with the area. And we had also vacationed in Destin. Love, love, love the area. The key difference and really the deciding factor was in Destin, our budget would allow us to overlook a pond. <laughs> and in Myrtle Beach at the time, we could buy an oceanfront property for less than $100,000. So we ended up flying to Myrtle Beach to look at different resorts. And primarily, the Myrtle Beach market is made up of large oceanfront resorts. Now, I'm, I, let me back up and say, we wanted to be on the ocean, right? The Myrtle Beach market is made up of way more than large oceanfront resorts. But for what we were looking at, we were looking at resorts. We wanted to be in a condo specifically uh, because we felt, again, if we weren't there locally, it was less pressure for us to not have to worry about the roof or the foundation or lawn care or anything like that. Obviously, as we know, when we purchase a condo. We're purchasing from the walls in. And so we really felt like that was a good security blanket for us. Also knowing that we were in a market where there could be a hurricane, right? So again, looking at buildings that have the right infrastructure and size that we felt comfortable with. So long story short, we flew down to Myrtle Beach with the intent of buying one oceanfront property and we bought two at the same time. It was part of us like, gosh, we've got this 
one bedroom or this efficiency. And if you know my story, I love, love, love small properties because they have fantastic return on investment. They're cheaper to furnish. They don't have as much wear and tear. So I love those smaller properties. And so we were toying between, should we get this one bedroom or the studio? And we decided we should get both. And so that's what we did. We purchased two of those two properties at the same time. Now, funny enough, I actually just sold those two properties. Did you? And I did. I did. I'm doing a 1031 exchange. Nice. And so we sold those two properties and they served us very well. I'll say, because as you might imagine, you can't really buy stuff on the ocean for less than 100K right now. And it's more like 200K. So Again, it served us very well from an investment standpoint, and love we're it. off to better, bigger and better things as well there. It, I love it's that. Certainly I love a, it's a great market. I was going to say for families, it's very drivable. There are a ton of activities for families to do. So we love it for the fact that it brings in so many travelers every year. But we also love it, again, because we enjoy it ourselves. And that was something that was important to us when we were outlining kind of our strategic vision for what we wanted out of our short-term rental business. Oh, I absolutely love it, Stacey. And so that's part of being short-term rental investors. You really have that opportunity to create a lifestyle asset that pays for itself, which is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And so I want to revisit the fact, a couple of things that stand out to me is that you started in 2022 and I know you have a wildly successful portfolio. You niched, you started off by niche and you say, you know what, I'm going to start with smaller properties, smaller footprint, a small, smaller budget to furnish, which is fantastic and a great way to start for sure. And now you're transitioning 1031ing into something different. And so that's the beauty of short-term rentals, right? Start one way, get get really laser focused, figure it out. And then you know what? You can transition. But the way you start is not the way you necessarily will finish in short-term rentals. So that's really exciting to me. So tell us a little bit more about the Myrtle Beach market in terms of these condos. So are all of these condos in that condo tell type of format? Do you know what I mean when I say condo tell, Stacey? Yeah. And can you speak to that for those who have never heard of that term? Because I've never owned a condo tell, but I've explored. So could you tell us a little bit about condo versus a condo tell and what you're seeing more so prevalent in Myrtle Beach area? Absolutely. So a condo tell is a resort, shall we say, or a a building that has some sort of a front desk check-in. So if anyone can go into the lobby of that resort even though they're privately owned condos, if anyone can go into a front desk and say, hey, I'm here to stay in Stacey's property or Rachel's property, through that front desk, that is what's considered a condo tell. Now, some lenders will also define a condo tell if there is an on-site timeshare office as well. So there may or may not be a front desk, but if there is a timeshare office, I'm half heard of lenders two that consider that building a condo tell. So what happens in a condo tell is quite often you can be in the condo tells on-site rental program where the resort obviously takes care of your property for you, or you can choose to self-manage or have a third-party property manager. The Myrtle Beach market, I should 
look up some statistic, but I will say a good majority of the resorts in Myrtle Beach or the buildings in Myrtle Beach are indeed condo hotels. Now, as you get through, I'm pointing up and down the map, like you can see my map in my head. But as you get up north in the North Myrtle Beach and Cherry Grove area, down south in the Polly's Island, Litchfield Beach, you do have some traditional condo buildings where there's no front desk check-in. And what does that mean to us as consumers or as investors? Oftentimes there are different loan programs available for condos versus condo tells. Condo tells are not backed by Fannie and Freddie and are non-warrantable loans. And so it is important to find a lender that is willing to lend on a condo tell because those are loans that they usually have to keep in-house. And by and large, you're typically expecting to put down anywhere from 20 to 25% as your down payment. There are lenders in Myrtle Beach that do condo tell loans, both in a commercial setting, so under an LLC, and others that do them under your own name, your personal name. I do have all of my properties in individual LLCs, um, which is so fun when it comes to paperwork. Again, we're all about risk mitigation and making sure that we don't have any opportunities for folks to see our good fortune and want to capitalize that through a lawsuit. So again, we've got all of our properties in different business entities for that very reason. Let's see here. What else about Myrtle Beach? Do you want to know? No, that's great. So the condos and condo hotels, condos, guys, sometimes you can use an FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac for condos, but condo hotels, we're looking more so like portfolio lenders, commercial lenders, business purpose lenders for those. Are there specific zoning regulations? Yeah. So with Big Hurdle Beach, by and large, I'm going to use some blanket statements here, but by and large on the ocean that is primarily zoned for short-term rentals. And again, in the Myrtle Beach market, that is the main driver of the economy, our short-term rentals. And it's wonderful, knock on wood, to be in a market where, you know, again, it is the main driver of the economy. So I feel like it's a staple of the community and certainly won't go away. Now, when you get off of the ocean within Myrtle Beach, that is not short-term rental friendly. Okay. So your, I would say traditional neighborhoods, shall we say, aren't really zoned for short-term rentals. There are little pockets that are available, but by and large, you really need to stick to oceanfront properties or maybe first row back. Again, using blanket statements here, but to be able to really take advantage of short-term rentals. Um, Myrtle Beach does have the ability to do midterm stays, so stays longer than 30 days. Anything longer than 89 days in the state of South Carolina is considered a long-term stay. Awesome, awesome. And great question. And I love that question because one thing I say to the members of the group is regulations come before numbers. So that's an amazing question. And what I love about these vacation rental markets, so my properties are in both vacation and non-vacation rental. When the bread and butter of that community is the vacation rental industry, that's good news, right? So that's absolutely awesome. So thank you for pointing out front row in front of the beach. Those are going to be more short-term rental friendly. And then the further out you go, it may be, it's going to be less. 
But yeah, that's a great overarching review of that market. So definitely guys tap in. If you're interested in Myrtle Beach, go through the specific regulations, especially if you're going to be looking at a house versus a condo that's front row. So go really laser focused to make sure you're you're looking at that. And Stacey, let me ask you, I know that you're a realtor, you primarily are a realtor for your investment purposes. Do you have resources that we can connect with you as far as short-term rental friendly real estate investors that we can connect with? Sure. So okay. I a wide variety of folks that I'm connected with in Myrtle Beach, I do have a couple of key go-tos, shall we say, realtors that I personally have worked with multiple times. And what's great is um, the folks that I work with regularly, they'll not only keep me abreast of new properties when they're coming on the market, but they also will ask me, where do you want to be next? And they'll start proactively cold calling those resorts. And I love that I can get my hands on properties before they ever come to the market. And I've done the same thing as well. I've sourced several properties, not only for us, but for some of my clients that are off market properties by just establishing local connections in the community. And as we all know, as a real estate investor, some of the best deals to be had are off market deals. So those are always super fun. I love it. And way to leverage your network and way to leverage your time, really. So if you have realtors and resources that are working on your behalf, you can take a sip of water and just take a breather as a busy professional. Yes, go for it. As a busy professional, we need to make sure that we are running on full. And so part of that is leveraging your resources. Condo tell, is there an HOA situation involved? And so let me preface it with this because I'm like the anti-HOA girl with the exception. <laughs> Here's what I said. There are two exceptions. I'm anti-HOA, especially in the communities where it's residential with the exception of two caveats. And caveat number one is if the purpose of the HOA is so that we can split and share amazing, wonderful amenities, like in a resort, that's number one. And caveat number two is if the vast majority of the properties within that HOA are short-term rentals, then I'm like, okay, that would make sense. So I do have one property with an HOA because it it meets those criteria, but usually I'm like, no, HOA, just say no. (laughs) So Deanna, you probably heard my... Yeah. So she's asking, is there an HOA situation involved, Stacey? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So yes, all of the resorts that I invest in and by and large throughout the market do have homeowners associations. And I will tell you, you would be surprised when you look at some of those HOA fees. You can get some sticker shop going on, right? Because they can appear really high. And when we first started doing our research, I thought, there is no way, like, how on earth am I going to be able to afford an HOA fee of $900 a month? Okay. But why? I'm just let that breathe for a second. I know. Let's let that breathe. Okay. (laughs) Everybody take a sip of water. (laughs) Sit down. Sit down. She said $900 a month. Sit down. That's right. (laughs) Sit your buttons down. But why? I think is really important to understand. And again, within the properties and the resorts that we are in, that HOA payment covers everything for the property, meaning it covers obviously maintenance of the grounds, which you would expect in an HOA fee. 
but it also includes your water, your electricity, your cable, your Wi-Fi, your trash, your pest control. So you don't have to be making separate payments to your HOA and then your electric company and then your internet service provider. It's all wrapped up into one. And why I really that is because I have a very specific number that I can budget for that's a flat fee. Now, some people might look at that and go, I don't like the fact that it's a flat fee. For me, I actually love the fact that I've got one number I'm plugging into a spreadsheet. It's predictable. And if a guest comes and stays in my property for two weeks and takes four hot showers a day and cranks the AC to 58 degrees, I'm not paying anything extra. So I really like that. Now, again, to each his own, because I know some people that may not fit within their business model. And when I back it out, if I were not paying that one payment, I would probably be paying the same amount for all of my utilities. I would just be making separate payments. I love that. And just thank you for walking us through that, because I think that's definitely a perk in a lot of cases. There's your answer. There is an HOA involved, but it's pretty all inclusive, which is really neat. So thank you for sharing that, because I got that sticker shock, too, when I heard 900. There is no way. And so if you sit down and you take a step back and delineate all of those different utilities, as well as the grounds, keeping the landscape, all of that. So it seems like it's very reasonable now that you put it that way. Can you please estimate how much it would cost to furnish a property set up for rental? Yeah. So I will tell you that one of the things that I love about the Myrtle Beach market is there are lots of opportunities for upgrades when it comes to furnishing. So by and large, I always say to people, you ever see the home investors advertisements, we buy ugly houses. I have this motto that I buy ugly condos, right? And fix them up. Because within those condo till resort, I think, now I'm going to totally just go out on a limb here. But I think what has happened over the years is investors have purchased them and thought, I'm not going to invest a penny more into making this space nice because it's already making money and it could be ugly as heck, but it doesn't matter because I'm still cash flowing right? My own model is very different. So I purposefully take ugly looking condos, make them into beautiful kind of relaxing, serene environments with a doubling down on the fact that by setting ourselves apart in the market, we're going to be able to demand higher revenue rates, higher average daily rates, and we're going to demand higher occupancy rates. You know, it's a strategy that's really paid off for us, not only for the properties that we own, but also the properties that we manage. So that I preface all of that because I do invest heavily into furnishing my properties. I believe wholeheartedly in that business model. I will say for a one bedroom, again, I'm totally just spitballing numbers out of thin air, but if you are taking a one bedroom from ugly to beauty, you might expect to pay $25,000 for rehab and furnishing, okay? If you're just talking furnishing alone, if you're buying a turnkey space and you're just furnishing a one bedroom, I would typically-ish factor in about ten dollars to $12,000. 
for a studio, it can be on the lower side for a two bedroom, three bedroom. Obviously, it can go up from there. And again, each project is unique and different. I hope that provides some ballpark numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen your units, Stacey. I love the way, I think I saw one with this beautiful shiplap wall on the, yeah, I remember seeing that and that was just so beautiful. And so I love the way you give it that modern feel. You'll take it from grandma's <laughs> to like a modern feel. And people want that. We're seeing a lot of people in the market right now. They're very select. They're wanting something more modern and then they're willing to pay for it. So give the people what they want. That's right. That's right. And the other thing too is, when you are, whether you're doing a full rehab or maybe it's just a light refresh, be creative with the spaces. Quite honestly, that shiplap came out of necessity because in one of the condo resorts that we're in, it was formerly a hotel, right? And so there are adjoining doors and I did not want that showing in my property. So I just shiplapped over the whole wall and again, made it look nice. It became very functional as well to cover that up. I would have never known. Oh my goodness. I love it. Dropping the secrets. You're dropping the secrets because that, that feature wall, people are looking for a feature wall. So I thought that's what we we're going for, but it was a two for one on that one. I love it. <laughs> How different are the maintenance fees between condo tells and condos? Hmm, that's a good question. As far as the HOA fees go, if and again, just in a ballpark here, if you're looking at a condo situation that doesn't have that all-inclusive fee built in, meaning all-inclusive utilities, you might expect somewhere at around $350 to $400 a month in HOA and maintenance fees. And again, I'm really pulling a number out of thin air. Your HOA fees are also typically based on where you are in the building. So oftentimes your ocean front HOA fees are going to be higher than your ocean view HOA fees and also the size of your property. So if you're in a two bedroom, your HOA fees are going to be higher than a one bedroom, which is higher than a studio, things of that nature. Awesome. So I wonder if a little bit about that may like the property management portion that that's also a percentage probably from the condo tell if you're going to go ahead and use their in-house property management safety. Okay. So in-house property management, there are some resorts in Myrtle Beach that do it for 25%. Those are usually the higher end resorts that do it for 25%. But the going rate for on-site management in Myrtle Beach is 40%. So it's steep. It is steep. And what I think has become quite a trend is the fact that many people are steering away from that, right? They're choosing to manage on their own or leverage third-party property managers. And what some of the resorts are doing now is they are removing amenities available to their owners um, if you're not on their on-site management program. Now, wow. some people might go, wow, that's awful. And I agree. I think it's awful. I will tell you strategically, we purposefully invested in resorts where the resort itself is not the main draw to, again, protect ourselves against that. So Here's an example. There is a resort in Myrtle Beach that has 23 water slides. And a friend of mine purchased there last summer 
so excited about her property because it that particular resort performed very well. And one day, the resort decided to change their structure so that if you were not on their on-site management, none of the water slides were available to you or your guests. And so what one day was a huge excitement of the fact that, hey, I'm in a resort where we've got all these amazing amenities turned out to be a really big hindrance to her because none of her guests could use those. Um, As I look at resort to invest in, I do look at the amenities available. And I personally want to make sure that those amenities are not why our guests are traveling. They're traveling either because of our specific unit or because of the proximity to the ocean, but they're not traveling for the water park or the on-site Ben and Jerry's or things like that, because we want to protect ourselves against something like that happening. Does that make sense? That's huge. That makes so much sense. So guys, we're talking about access and Stacey is dropping some serious gems here that could really help us avoid some pitfalls. And I think it's so important what you just shared, because honestly speaking, if a guest were to you know, show up to her property, whether or not she stated in her instructions, the amenities are not for you, the amenities are not for you, they're going to love those amenities and it leaves a sour taste in their mouths. And so what you're dropping here is so huge. I love that strategy of not just getting laser focused on this mega indoor water slide that's no longer available to you if you decide to self-manage because we're all about self-managing. You're at 40%. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm self-managing that bad boy. So I absolutely love the gems that you just dropped there. So guys, buyer beware, definitely mind your P's and Q's when it comes to that, because like you said, it, the draw is those amenities, but if, you know, the HOA decides, you know, you're going to have to go with on-site then you're in a position where, you know, you're stuck. <laughs> so I love exactly. that. Thank you. That makes a whole lot of sense. And I know, Stacey, you have just a few minutes before you have to jump off. Question, any tips or experiences in international markets? That's a good one. I don't know. I will tell you, I personally have no experience in international markets, but I could think of a whole bunch of them I'd love to invest in. true. <laughs> Mainly the Caribbean area. I have a few, again, I'm a beach girl. Yeah. I love me some Cancun or St. Croix or Dominican, but I don't know a thing about them. (laughs) I love it. There are things that we can do to protect ourselves from our guests having that sour taste in their mouth, right? Number one, make sure it is in your listing description. What is not available, Right. Make sure that your target ideal guest is not, again, going to be drawn to that specific amenity. So an example is in one of the buildings that we invest in, there is a water park that is not available to our guests, but my ideal guests are seasoned professionals. They're not families with two and three-year-old kids. They're usually professional families, maybe with teenagers or a couple coming for a getaway. And so while there is an amenity that is restricted, it's okay because number one, my ideal guest wouldn't want to use that amenity anyway. Number two, it's also outlined in our listing description that particular amenity is not available. 
And it is also outlined in our agreement that those specific amenities are available. So by that time, if they want to use that water park, they're going to cancel their reservation with us. They're going to know well in advance, hey, this is not available for me to use. When we take that approach, we have never, knock on wood, had an issue. Where I think the issues really come into play is when that communication doesn't take place in advance, right? And then it's a surprise. That's really when those sour grapes start to happen. Wow. No, absolutely. And that's with everything, Stacey. And I'm glad you touched base on that. When it comes to communication, guys, that is the way to make sure that we're providing that guest that five-star stay. And that is what the communication, even setting expectations, if something is going down in the neighborhood and they're redoing all of the roofs and there's going to be a construction zone, if you communicate that clearly, and sometimes it takes more, I would say all the time, it takes more than once. And communicate clearly in multiple spaces, whether it's in the description of the listing where they'll see it. And then the welcome message. And Stacey even mes- mentioned the agreement. So you're agreeing that you understand that we have this kind of gap in what, you know, a lot of individuals' expectations would be. That is how you win your guests over is them understanding and everyone being on the same page. There has to be a same pageness. Otherwise, they're going to get out there and it's going to be a struggle for them and a struggle for you because, yeah, <laughs> then they start complaining about everything else. Right? Get off the struggle bus. Yeah. <laughs> get off the struggle bus. I love it. All right. So last question. What do you think about themed units, say Japanese, Zen, beach? Can that work against us or help in occupancy? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Oh, mm. so that's a good one. I personally don't have any themed units. I do know a successful investor who themes all of her units. Um, And so I think, again, as long as your theme aligns with your target audience, that is what is going to work to your benefit. If your theme does not align with your target audience, there is going to be a disconnect, shall we say. And so I think that's when you could find yourself having some challenges in getting that property booked. But I think Again, as long as you have your ideal guest very clearly outlined, you know who they are and what they enjoy. I think a themed property could be really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I love that question. That's a great question. So guys, this is our last moment with Stacey Anders. She's going to be doing some teaching. If you have not checked out the female, oh, say it for me, Stacey, the, your Facebook group. <laughs> Female short-term rental investors. If you haven't checked out the female short-term rental investors Facebook group, you are missing out. And guys, friends don't let friends miss out. So I'm telling you, <laughs> jump in there. Say it one more time for me, Stacey. <laughs> female short-term rental investors. You can just get on Facebook, search it up, and you'll see a hot pink background yep. with white lettering. That's us. All I have to do is type emails and it pops up for me. And you see my face to post name. It's got all the words, luxury, real estate, investing, financial, independent, short-term. Reserve. I put all the words, the keywords. <laughs> I am not wanting to call you on at all because I love it. So type in female short-term rental investors, Facebook group, guys. 
Oh my goodness, a wonderful space, a lot of collaboration in that space, a lot of information sharing, networking. So definitely go ahead and join that group. So thank you, Stacey. Any final words before you jump off? I would just say, if you are new to the space, you are in a great place with Rachel. Keep on your learning journey. And I know Rachel's going to take great care of you. So thank you again, Rachel, for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Stacey. Bye for now. Bye.